Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Lyon. All right, John McClain with us. He disagrees. He thinks Texans have the marquee opening uh, in the AFC South and in the NFL, not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you can rewind anytime on the radio.com app if you want to go back and listen to anything John has to say with us uh, on Tuesdays at 1040. John, Jim Caldwell interviewed yesterday uh, by the Texans for the head coaching opening. Uh, what should be made uh, of this interview and how much of a chance do you think there is that Jim Caldwell is the next head coach for Deshaun Watson? Well, first of all, I think it's wise to interview people who are eligible to interview. Caldwell's been out of football. He had health issues. He's going to be 66 in mid-January. I do not see them hiring a 66-year-old coach, but he's been a good offensive coach. He had success with Detroit uh, that looked 9-7. and seven. They didn't. They fired him. Bob Quinn, the GM who came from New England, fired him so he could hire his buddy Matt Patricia, and that backfired. And then he was, he's been with Tony Dungy going back to Tampa Bay. And I figured, and I wrote that I bet he would be interviewed because Dungy's on the advisory group and they're tight. And Caldwell, because he has experience with quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, offenses, I think it was smart to interview him, see what he thinks about your players, see what he thinks about his staff, organization, culture. But I'd be surprised if he got the job, just like Lewis Riddick. Because he works for ESPN, he can interview. They can interview out-of-work general managers. A lot of the guys, some of the guys who are out of work have jobs with other teams as consultants. But in most of those cases, they would give them permission to interview now if they wanted to interview them. But uh, I think I don't see Caldwell getting the job. Well, it, I mean, obviously they can't come right out and say this without <laughs> some serious implications. But do you think his age is the primary factor? Because he checks a lot of the other boxes. He does, but I, I think they'll end up hiring an assistant coach. Now, Kansas City had no idea Andy Reid was going to be available. Yeah. Um, Washington had no idea Ron Rivera would be available. So you never know who's going to get fired. Maybe Mike Tomlin. They'll finally get rid of Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. Then oh. he'd be the hottest coach on the market. Good gosh. And, uh, but awesome. nobody thought about Reid and – Rivera going either. And there, sometimes there's a remember when Mike Shanahan got fired, people were shocked. And sometimes there are situations like that where guys available that we don't have a clue they will be. But unless that happens, I see the Texans hiring a, a guy who's a, who is a, who is a coordinator with a team has been successful. And, uh, but for guy experience, 
I think it's smart to interview him. You might learn something when it comes to your team and when it comes to your other interviews. What about, I proposed a Romeo Cornell type role for Jim Caldwell if he doesn't get the job, uh, you know, just help out with the Sean Watson, be some sort could of associate be. head coach. Uh, do you think that's something that could be a possibility? Well, I think anything's a possibility depending on the next coach. And I've advocated and I'll continue to advocate. They should keep Romeo's an assistant head coach. There's no limitations. You could have one for defense and one for offense. Uh, I've looked back. It's so funny. This team has forced eight turnovers by far, the fewest in the NFL. Romeo's first year there, they had 34, then 25. They've had 29, 22. And this year they're on a pace that's just shatter the record for the fewest turnovers. But, you know, Romeo, because he's so respected and liked by the players and everybody in the organization, and he's not a backstabber and he's not a gossiper and he's not trying to get power. He's just there for his knowledge and experience. And Caldwell is the same way. Those two guys have been in football a long time going. And the first job Caldwell had was with the Bucks and Dungey in 01. How do, what do you make of uh, of the Lewis Riddick interview then? Because uh, there is a little bit of news uh, that Adam Schefter just reported that uh, that Riddick is in fact going to interview in Jacksonville tomorrow. Um, what what was their their play there with, with Lewis Riddick? Riddick's available, and he sounds great on TV. He's charismatic. He's got a personality. He's uh, but what he doesn't have is NFL. He should be working for an NFL team. He wants to be a general manager, be run, helping run a draft, be over the college program, not just pro personnel, because he's got everything it takes. And then Wade Smith asked me on Friday, well, why can't he go from TV to a GM like John Lynch and Mike Mayock? Well, the difference with Lynch and Mayock, they went to teams where the head coaches have it in their contract that they run the personnel department and have final say in personnel. Maybe Riddick would agree to that, what I'd imagine – for him to leave the job he has, he wants to oversee personnel. And the Texans, after uh, what they did, what happened with Bill O'Brien, they're not going to give a head coach in charge of personnel unless some great coach became available that we don't expect because Andy Reid's got personnel in Kansas City. Ron Rivera's in charge of personnel in Washington. But the uh, thing about Riddick, I remember when Matt Millen was the best analyst out there and he sounded so smart all the time and Detroit said, you know what, we're going to interview him. He did a great job in his interview and he's the worst GM in history. But uh, I think that Riddick needs to be with a team. What about when, uh, what do you make of Deshaun Watson having that little uh, impromptu, uh, how do you do with Matt Eberflus? He said he talked to him about the things they changed up in two weeks. And uh, he said, well, you have to do that. They weren't going to play it the same way. He still threw for 373 yards. And when I saw that, I'm thinking he might be talking to his next head coach. Eberflus has done a great job. Everybody says he's going to get a head coaching job. If they interview him, who's going to sound more knowledgeable about the Texans offense than Matt Eberflus, who's been preparing for him twice a year, three times in 2018, since he got to the Colts. Everybody said last year he was going to get a head coaching job. Now they're saying it again. And, of course, they look like they're going to go down to the wire with the Titans to win the AFC South, and they'll both of them will make the playoffs. But that would be interesting if that conversation afterward was with his next coach. 
Talking to NFL Hall of Famer John McClain during his weekly visit here on In the Loop. Landry Locker, John Lopez with you on Sports Radio 610. How, um, I guess I'll use the word prepared, uh, does Cal McNair seem to make these decisions? Because we know it's going to be his decision. You've covered a lot of owners that have been in this position. It's relatively new for Cal, uh, you know, to be the guy that is making the decision. I, I'm relatively new, I mean, the last couple of years. How prepared uh, does Cal McNair seem to you to make the right decision uh, for Deshaun Watson and for the Texans organization uh, moving past 2020? Well, this is his fourth year. He ran the franchise from 17 because his dad was battling cancer. So Cal took it over in 17. They didn't say anything. And then in 18, of course, Bob died and he was in charge. So this is his fourth year. Um, that's why he's got people working with him. That's why he's got that advisory group. He's going to run things by them to see what they think. And uh, they're not, you know, they're not going to hire somebody. He's going to hire him. It's his decision. He may get it right. He may get it wrong. I know what kind of people he wants in those roles. And I know the dynamic that it'll go back to being the way it was with Rick Smith and Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien, the general manager overseas personnel, the coach handles the game day roster and the coaching staff. That means who plays, who's active and inactive. And that's, that's, that's the traditional setup. And what a lot of people don't understand, they see teams that have GMs and those GMs just have the title. The coach has the final say of personnel and the GM is like a combination of director of player personnel and, and, the, and runs the football ops, all those other things they come under the general manager's title. and uh, But here, I think there's going to be a clearly defined line about what they do and do not handle. You know, do you think do you think there's like a balance there with Cal? Because you said he's been calling the shots since 2017. Is there a balance there of being two hands off maybe uh, and being two hands on? Because 2017, it basically seemed to now that, or, or till week four, that O'Brien was just basically allowed to do whatever the hell he wanted. Is is that you think Cal McNair's maybe learned something there? Do you think he's going to balance that? How how does he? Do you think is 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 that is that what we're going to expect? Where someone can just do whatever? Or are there going to be some checks and balances? No, the the general manager would have control of everything that comes under a GM and personnel. The coach would have control of the coaching staff and the game day roster, is the way it was with Rick Smith and Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith and Bill O. Brian until it fell apart, Charlie Cashley and Dom Capers. And I think McNair has has been there the whole time since 1999. He watched his dad. He was in on all the meetings. He doesn't have the same personality as dad. He's more of a behind-the-scenes guy. And they have to run big decisions by him. And the McNairs have always been one that you hire the people, you pay them the money, you give them the money, to do what they think they need to do to win, and then you let them do their jobs. And if they don't do the jobs, fire them. I think the fact that he fired O'Brien after four games shows he's not afraid to make the tough decision. He fired Brian Gain, he fired Bill O'Brien, and now he's got to make the right decision on a general manager and a coach. You know, as much as you said, you know, that they may not be interested realistically in, in hiring uh, Jim Caldwell, they did interview him. And, you know, it, it could, could well, we don't know, but it could well have been a situation like the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. There was a guy on the street 
McCarthy blew him away, and they said, we don't need to interview anybody else. We're going to hire this guy. Um, could you see them hiring a head coach before a general manager? I don't. That's not the plan. But what if a guy got fired who was a really good head coach with another team? What if a guy like an Andy Reid became available, Ron Rivera becomes available? Then that changes your thinking. The plan is to hire Jim, and he plays the instrumental role in finding a coach. McNair signs off on it like all owners do, and that's how they'll go about it. But if some guy got available all of a sudden, then they would seriously have to consider hiring that guy immediately, right. making him offers because there'd be multiple people after him. But I don't see anybody getting fired like that. But who knew Andy Reid was going to be available? Mm-hmm. NFL Hall of Famer John McClain with us here for his weekly visit on Sports Radio 610, 713-572-4610 to get in. Let's get world famous, world famous McLean leg hiking next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker. All right, world-famous McLean leg hiking here on In the Loop Sports Radio 610. We throw our takes at John McLean. He either agrees or he disagrees and hike the leg. Let's start. We started uh, the visit off with it. We disagree on this, but I'll go ahead and uh, take my beating. Jacksonville is a better job for a prospective GM and head coach, uh, assuming they have the first pick, uh, than Houston. Before we hike it, uh, I wanted to point out something I just thought about when you guys talking about Matt Eberflus, mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator in Indy. You know, could they consider a package? They got Ed Dodd's assistant chair, who is one of the most hot, going to be a hotly, a hot candidate to be a GM. Whoever was in Seattle one. for a while. Yep, long time with Seattle with John Schneider. He's a good one. Terry Fontenot with the Saints is another guy. I'm writing a column for Friday about my top ten. GM candidates, or if you say you wanted Eric the enemy, you could get one of Andy Reid's right-hand men, Chris Shea. Uh, I think Houston compared to Jacksonville, you're going to take Houston as a city. You're going to want to live there any day of the week over Jacksonville. You have ownership in Jacksonville that has had nothing but losers except for one season. Uh, the Texans here, despite people's frustrations with only winning division titles, they've won more than the Jaguars, I think. I would take a proven product like Deshaun Watson over an unknown, a great prospect, but still an unknown prospect uh, like uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, All right. Jack Easterby. Jack Easterby is very much involved in the coaching and general manager search. Absolutely not. He's not in on any, any interview. Uh, he, he's not. Uh, he's the assistant. He's an interim GM. And I'd be shocked if he's back next season. Ability over opportunity. The ability of Ross Blacklock is the biggest concern, not opportunity when it comes to his lack of playing time. Ability or attitude, I don't know, but he's been a disappointment. I thought he was going to step up against the Colts and he played seven snaps. And Romeo said that he wasn't, basically he wasn't doing his job. And they've lost two defensive linemen, and he still hasn't stepped up. Now, I'm not saying he's a bust because I've seen too many players not do squat as a rookie and bounce back. But there's a guy who's got a long way to go and better get really serious about getting better this offseason. So don't hike it. All right. Don't hike it. I agree. Bill O'Brien was right about Kiki QT. 
uh, he benched him every time he had a mistake. I don't think they'll do this this time. So I'll say no, hike it. Bill O'Brien kept QT in his doghouse. I think that uh, he kept him in there too long. World-famous McLean leg hiking here on In the Loop. Mike Devlin should have been fired by now. Uh, they're not going to fire a coach during the season. Hike it. If they were going to fire him, they should have done it in the offseason. But Bill O'Brien wasn't going to do it when they were coming off a second-round playoff appearance. Plus, we all thought the line was better last season. It was. Mm. But collectively and individually, mm. they haven't been as good this year as last season. So he'll be fired. The college football committee is a bunch of doofuses for keeping the Aggies out. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And what bothered me, what really bothers me about it is I heard saw two arguments from national people. The Aggies didn't have a signature win and beating Florida, and but actually having a schedule that was nothing but SEC with no non-conference cupcakes. That's ridiculous. And the thing that is the most telling to me that is Clemson just pounded Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence. So it tells me if Trevor Lawrence hadn't been on COVID-19 list, they would have pounded Notre Dame during regular season. So that's the two arguments. And you know why Notre Dame's in because they're Notre Dame. Well, yeah. And then, you know, you can't say on the one hand, well, the SEC is the toughest conference in football and then take points away from, from Florida. Great point. You know, for, point. for losing to LSU. I mean, it was just incredible. Uh, but They put whatever. Notre Dame in there because they're Notre Dame. Yeah. And you know, when it's all said and done, the Aggies are probably going to be number three in the country. Yeah, hopefully. NFL Hall of Famer John McClain with us here uh, leg hiking on Sports Radio. Excuse uh, me a second. When's the last time the Aggies have been as high as three, John. I want to say that will be the highest in a long, long time, but I think they got up to five or six Manziel's freshman year. When well, they, I think when they beat Oklahoma th- in the Cotton Bowl. They're going to be number three after Ohio State, Notre Dame get blown out. Yeah. I'm just dismissing Mac Brown and those North Carolina Tar Heels. I yes. see you guys there. Uh, <laughs> world famous leg hiking here on In the Loop Sports Radio 610. Kahali Waring is showing that he might have a little something. That one play, Landry, where he might caught the ball and he had guys on him as a good pass, but he carried them a little bit. Right away, you thought, aha, that's why they want him on the team. So, yes, you're right. I think that uh, he is showing them a little, and I want to see more. The Texans already have interviewed either their next head coach or their next general manager. No, hike it. They're not close to hiring either one. When the season's over, they got a lot of people to interview. Hopefully, guys like Ed Dodd, Terry Thornton, and Chris Shea. The uh, the Texans should entertain the possibility of signing Justin Reed to an extension uh, because the price could be right right now. Whether than rather than waiting to the last minute, they should negotiate with Justin Reed heading into the final year of his deal and try to get a team friendly deal for the first time in a long time. That is a great point, Landry. I think you're exactly right. They should do that, and I think they do want to do that. He didn't have as good a season, but if they held it against every player that didn't have as good a season as they should have or had the year before, most of their team would be gone. James Harden is at worst an a-hole and at best an entitled, (laughs) petulant diva. (laughs) Well, I don't know him to say the first one, but he seems like on the second one, And uh, I just hope, you know, the way he's approached this whole thing has hurt his trade value. 
and I admire Tillman Fertitta for sticking to his guns. Don't trade him unless you get what you know is value, which is hard to do when you're trading these guys. And I hope for Harden's sake and for the Rockets' sake, he plays his ass off and helps them win. That would help him more than anything. The flashes that Hanson QT are showing is enough to make Brandon Cooks one and done with the Houston Texans. No, I don't think Brandon Hike Brandon Cooks will be back. They love Brandon Cooks. I think Randall Cobb will be gone, but I don't think Brandon Cooks will be. Okay. Bill, excuse me, George Springer will be a New York Met. Every time I listen to the national media show, they keep saying that the new owner up there, Steve Cohen, is going to sign Springer. So I think you're absolutely right. I'm glad he goes to the National League where the Astros don't have to see him all the time because he's one of my all-time favorite Astros, especially in the postseason. It's world-famous McLean leg hiking here on In the Loop Sports Radio 16. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I didn't even warn you about this, John. We tried to do this yesterday. It's all right. Uh, and we only got a few minutes, but I, I want you to really try to do this because this is way harder than it should be. I could do this for I'll any try team. hard. Name the three best offseason moves that the Texans made this offseason. Uh, this past offseason, let's say <laughs> Brandon Cooks was a good one when Will Fuller mm. was in there. He was on a pace for over 1,000 yards mm. for the fifth time in his career. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of other moves they made. Uh, help. Let's see. I think mm. Cooks was good. They don't. Uh, David Johnson was not. Eric Murray was not. What other moves did they make? Well, the only ones uh, we could come up with. Hey, were- they signed Farrell Brown. Well, well, this is bizarre that you can't think of three good moves. We thought of Deshaun Watson getting his extension. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other. Okay. The three best I mean, we had to forced. reach. No, that, that's typically what we're, we're trying is trying to think of draft picks or signings, but we had to, we have to move it around to try to do it. It's hard. I could do this for the Jets all yeah. day. Trading Jamal Adams, Becton, uh, trading up for Denzel Mims. Uh, they they made a few signings on the O line. I could do it with the Jets. I could do it with the Jags. Bringing in James Robinson undrafted. I think Colin moving Johnson Lonnie Johnson to moving Lonnie Johnson to safety full time was a good move. That's going to be even better next year. Now he's had mm. a season at safety. Uh, uh, they had to showing the confidence to keep Tyrell Adams where he would be there when Bernard McKinney went down. He's been one of the most surprised, maybe the most surprising player on the teams. So Lonnie Johnson, Terrell Adams, and Brandon Cooks. Man, gosh, that's crazy. And even the second rounder for Cooks seemed, oh, man. I'm telling you, it's hard, well, They John. wouldn't have made that deal if they didn't have their second rounder that was higher for yeah. they got from Arizona. Of course, Ross Blacklock has not played like the guy who was picked high in the second round. Has not. You know, he's only one of six second-round picks that were healthy that hasn't started a game this year. Isn't that amazing? That shows you how far he's got to come in the offseason. John, always a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Uh, appreciate you as always. Uh, I guess the calendar might be turning next time we talk to you. Landry and John, thank you guys very much. I will be on Christmas Day, and I will be on New Year's Day, and I hope you guys enjoy some time off. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and stay safe to you and your family and all the listeners. Merry Christmas that to you, the, too. That is the thank best you. man in town, John McClain, NFL Hall of Famer, one of our favorites, his weekly visit 1040 every Tuesday. If, if you uh, missed the beginning of it, I, I recommend going to the radio.com 
app uh, rewinding because uh, he came in a little bit hot today, J-Lo. He came in hot. He did. He finished strong. He, he finished 2020 strong, baby. And while we talked a little bit of college football there, uh, this is a good time, man, uh, to, to finally watch some real college football uh, right here in Houston uh, with the Mercari uh, Texas Bowl. We were talking about that before the show. I mean, that's a good matchup, man. TCU and Arkansas, you know Dirty Red's going to be in the house. Gary Patterson in a bowl game yeah. against Arkansas. I know Arkansas's uh Arkansas's got a lot of they, there's some optimism there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some optimism there. I know Clint's uh Clint's going to be ready to go, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh football season is upon us. These bowl games kind of snuck up on me. I'm not even going to lie to you. There was a bowl uh, game yesterday. There's one on at 2:30 today. I'm looking <laughs> Tulane versus Nevada. I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I'd like turn to like ACC network or something yeah, yesterday. Or it was, it was a like replay. a replay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt very weird, uh, to say the very least. But I, I think weird is almost normal, uh, given the time that uh, we're going through right now. Coming up, James Harden. John Lopez has some strong, strong words about James Harden. Uh, Harden also said something that I think basically shows uh, what he's about. Plus, the Texans are interviewing guys. And, man, yesterday was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. I'll tell you what it was and what happened next. Jim Caldwell, first interview by the Houston Texans for the head coaching opening. Uh, I think this is a, an intriguing uh, guy to talk to. I don't necessarily think he's going to get the job, but if you look at his resume, 62 and 52 and four in the postseason, got fired in Indianapolis after Peyton Manning hurt his neck. Uh, Colts went two and 14, then went to Detroit, three winning seasons, got fired after nine and seven. Uh, stuff hit the fam. Uh, after he was let go and, and he was very very key to the Ravens getting their Super Bowl with Joe Flacco brought on midseason to be the quarterback coach and then was the offensive coordinator when they won that championship so 65 years old probably not going to get the gig uh, but a good guy to talk to to say the very least J-Lo uh, look he got an audience with the owner and maybe uh, some others uh, I know John McClain kind of said, eh, don't read too much into this. They're probably just doing due diligence. They want to hear what he has to say about the organization. That's all fine. But Jim Caldwell is a really good coach, a really, really good coach. You, you outlined a couple of the things right there. And and having spoken with uh, some people who know him very well uh, this morning, it's clear to me that he has the endorsement of a lot of very powerful people. I don't put any stock into the 65 years old thing. Um, I mean, Andy Reid is 63. Uh, you know, that, to me, that's not that big a deal. And first of all, you cannot not hire a guy because of his age. Um, but well, the you other, can. You can. You just you you have to. You'll have some repercussions if you say as much. Um, and then there's and then there's this. You know, he sat down with him. He might have just blown him away. I, I I think he's a really good candidate. I really do. My, not my first choice, but I would have no problem with Jim Caldwell as the next coach of the Houston Texans. I think his connections are vast. Uh, I think he, he knows his stuff. He would be perfect. Uh, that was told to me by two different people this morning. He would be perfect for Deshaun Watson. That culture that he that people often you know throw that word around casually is real with him. Um, I think it would really be good. And, and then I mentioned this, and I wanted to get your thoughts, uh, Landry, because I mentioned it to John. You know, Mike McCarthy was on the street uh, last year. 
And the Cowboys brought him in and said, all right, let's see what – probably under the auspices of, of the same thing. Uh, that, I don't know if this is going to be a good example for you, Jalen. No, I know. I know what the result was. I'm just – but I'm trying to make the point here. Uh, Mike McCarthy went in off the street like Jim Caldwell, had his audience with the Cowboys like Jim Caldwell had with the Texans, and just absolutely blew him away. Now, it was the wrong choice. I'm, I'm, let's, stop at the, let's stop at the absolutely blew him away. Because these things can happen and have happened very, very recently. And Jerry Jones and, and Stephen Jones basically said, we don't need to he- see anything else. This is our guy. Obviously, it's looking like that was the wrong pick. What I'm saying, though, and this is what I wanted to ask you about, it's very possible that Jim Caldwell went in here with all those endorsements, with all those, you know, all, all his history, with Peyton Manning basically saying, this dude is why I was as great as I was, and they just blew him away. It's possible. I think that Jim Caldwell should at least be considered to fill the role that Romeo Cornell had before week four as somewhat of an associate head coach, assuming he's not going to get a head coaching gig. I I think he would be a good asset because unlike Romeo Cornell, who Stanford Brout played for and who James Ehedebo is familiar with, I don't think Jim Caldwell's in the Stone Age. And as I heard McLean just now, uh, and you can hear his visit on the radio.com app say, you know, they should keep Romeo Cornell around for what? Like, what exactly does Romeo bring to the table? He, he doesn't know anything about prospects. He doesn't know about rookies. Uh, his defensive scheme, uh, while I do feel like there's personnel issues, it does seem a little bit dated Outside of just respecting an OG, I don't know what Romeo Cornell brings, but I think Jim Caldwell, whether it's mentoring Deshaun Watson, whether it's helping with calling the plays, whether it's mentoring a young head coach, uh, I think Jim Caldwell, if he's not going to be a head coach and if he wants to get back in the league, I don't see the negative in making Jim Caldwell what Romeo Cornell is right now. Because I don't even know what Romeo Cornell brings to the table outside of being likable. Uh, and basically being a substitute teacher during a lost season. That, that's what, how I look at Romeo Cornell. I don't look at Jim Caldwell that way. I think Jim Caldwell could, be, could still be an asset. I think he still has value in the NFL. I don't necessarily think that Romeo does. And that's no disrespect. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He's been coaching for half a century. Uh, but I just think that if you are going to have someone like that with the organization, rather than bringing back Romeo Cornell, who was a part of the old regime, I think a guy like Jim Caldwell – if he's not going to be a head coach, w- would be perfect. I-, I think that would be a major asset. I-, I totally agree with your point. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think Caldwell, as I mentioned, has all these endorsements, has all this, uh, these pelts on the wall, has, has won in, uh, despite you know Detroit being Detroit. Um, I-, I think he's going to be a head coach. I-, I think it's either head coach or you know, he'll just sit on his money for a while. Landry Locker, John Lopez, uh, Jacob in for Figgy Fig here on Sports Radio 610. So Jim Caldwell uh, gets an interview with the Texans. Uh, We'll give you the latest at Sports Radio 610 uh, as soon as any more news pops on that. John McClain, by the way, says Jim Caldwell will not uh, be the coach. Here's J.J. Watts uh, because there's two games left for the Texans. Uh, They got the Cincinnati Bengals, and then they're going to face the Tennessee Titans. Here's J.J. Watt talking about what he hopes – uh, to get from the remainder of the season. Yeah, I mean, we're competitors, obviously, athletes. Um, you want to go out there and play well. You want to win. That's It's just athlete in you. Um, it's a competitor in you. So that's that's what you go out there and do is you try and play 
good football and, and try and get some wins. And that's all you can do, really. Cincinnati last night, by the way, 27-17 over the Steelers. Steelers have lost three straight. They fall down to the three seed. Buffalo, uh, now the two. Your yeah. thoughts on J.J. Watt talking about what he can gain from this season. That's a guy that needs to be shut down at this point. Well, sure. I mean, uh, absolutely. But he, he won't be unless he chooses to. Um, he also, I, I, I felt really bad for J.J. Watt last night when T.J. got hurt. And, and, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching television. He was tweeting about it, too. Like, the hardest thing, I've, I've, you know, in football is to watch, you know, a family member go down like that. that, that it looked a lot. I, I, it's easy for me to say. Yeah. But I, I thought for sure a cart was going to be coming out there when, yeah. it, when he first got hit and got stiff. And then they went to commercial break. So, yeah. it's, it's easy for me to say. I'm sure that he feels like he got hit by a truck this morning. But, and he even said he's going to be okay. But I, I thought it was going to be a lot worse when we went to commercial break. I was anticipating much worse. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Um, and but, but as far as what he said, yeah, I mean, look, if he's going to be out there, he's going to do his thing. He's still playing at a very high level uh, when he could be taking some plays off. Pro Bowl announcements yesterday. Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, the two Texans representatives, they will be returning to the Pro Bowl. No Dallas Cowboys selected, by the way. And DeForest Buckner of the Colts. Uh, the one guy that it seems like everybody feels got shafted. I think this could be a situation where, much like Darius Leonard a couple years ago, where he didn't make the Pro Bowl, I think we could see DeForest Buckner on the All-Pro team. I think we could see him as the tackle next to Aaron Donald. Because Leonard didn't make it his rookie year of the Pro Bowl, but he was first-team All-Pro or whatever it was. Figure that out for me. Exactly. Which is really what matters, right? Absolutely. That, That matters a lot more than the Pro Bowl. And he, man, he absolutely destroyed the Texans this past week. Clearly the votes were in before Sunday. I mean, he's had a great year no matter what, but, man, he just killed the Texans. Updated playoffs. The Bills, as I said, are the two seed. Pittsburgh falls to the three. Tennessee the four. Cleveland the five with a puncher's chance uh, at winning the AFC North. Miami at nine and five, the seven seed. They got the Raiders this week. That'll be a big one. And Baltimore on the outside. Uh, looking in despite having the same record as the Dolphins. As for the NFC, Green Bay, the one seed, they'll wrap it up with a uh, dub this week. New Orleans, the two, then Seattle, then Washington, the Rams, Tampa Bay, and Arizona. Chicago just a game out uh, of Arizona. So playoff races uh, intensifying to say the very Very, very much so. I mean, the Colts could be out of the playoffs with 10 wins. I mean, that's how intense it is in the AFC because their losses outside of the, the initial Jacksonville loss to start the year, Jacksonville's only win, have been to, I believe, the Ravens they lost to. They lose a tiebreaker there. Uh, they'll lose a tiebreaker to Cleveland. I believe they lost to Cleveland. And I forget the other, but it was another AFC playoff team that they lost to. Um, I mean, they the Colts have to win. I mean, the Colts have to win big time. Uh, they might be out of the playoffs with uh, – with ten wins, and then I, I mentioned I meant to say this during the uh, when we were talking about the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger is just kind of sad. To He's watch. done. It's sad to watch right He's now. He's done. I mean, this, it's Peyton Manning twenty fifteen. It really is. Uh, it really, really is, and and that's just uh, it's just sad. I mean, he's gotten beat up so bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Eli's already gone. Rivers, I guess, is is still playing, but yeah, I, I think. I think a competent quarterback 
yesterday and they win the game. He was he he should have thrown five picks in that game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sad. Uh, as hot as they as they were to start the year, as much as he was making some plays, uh, the accumulative effect, you know, at that age, I mean, you can see it in living color right now. Didn't you? Didn't you? think that they were kind of a fraudulent 11 and not as anyways. much as you did I I thought it was I was interested to watch the run because you know it's always cool to watch a team go eight and oh nine and oh etc and then all of a sudden you know they're just they just fall off a cliff by the way let, let me just say this real quick and this might be me getting a little bit old and this might be me transitioning into get off my lawn guy if you're going to upload an Instagram video Dancing on the opponent's midfield logo, you have to have more than three catches for 15 yards in a fumble. I'm sorry, Juju Smith-Schuster, he, he, that, that is the definition right there of an F-boy, uh, the, the, way that, the way that he handled himself yesterday. If you look up F-boy in the dictionary, there is a picture of Juju Smith-Schuster's face. That guy has been all Instagram and, and no action since Antonio Brown left and called him out. He failed to fill the void left by Antonio Brown. Chase Claypool's already better than him. They might actually have a couple receivers better than him. And yesterday, the Cincinnati Bengals, without Joe Burrow, you decide you're going to go to midfield and dance on the Cincinnati Bengals logo, and then you're going to come out and get depleted, fumble, and have three catches for 15 yards F-Boy Schuster is the new name for Juju Smith-Schuster until further notice. And that gif that is making the rounds of him getting, I mean, just ragdolled. It wasn't even getting blown up. He got ragdolled. That was not a good punctuation mark on the end of it. James Harden yesterday uh, had an interesting interaction with our guy Adam Spillane. Here's what it sounded like. Sports Radio 610's Adam Spillane with Harden. James, now that you've been in camp for about a week, do you feel any better about this situation now than you did before you arrived? Next question. All right, so there was that, and then there was a report by Sham Sharina of The Athletic uh, who said that Harden's had multiple verbal confrontations with teammates in practice uh, and also threw a ball at teammate Jay Sean Tate. Don't mm-hmm. even know really much about Jay Sean Tate. He is a rookie, uh, but James Harden, Frustrated, pouty, whiny. What, what do you make of what's happening with Harden right now? All right, you, you need to remember three things here. But but first, I mean, it's, it's harsh to say, but it's got to be said. Can we just agree that James Harden is at worst an a-hole and at best an entitled, petulant diva? Can we just agree on that? Because there are multiple examples all over this workplace, uh, our loopholes workplaces, in in sports, in high school, college, pro sports, where someone can be really, really good at something, but they're still an a-hole, you know, but you put up with it uh, or, or you ignore it or whatever. Um, and I think that's where we are uh, with, with James Harden. And these are the, the three points I want to make because somebody, I mean, I, I posted something on Twitter and, and, you know, the hardened truthers are out in full force saying, oh, he's just a competitor, you know. Get the hell out of here. Akeem Olajuwon threw a ball at a, at a teammate once. Oh, Michael Jordan then, is he, is he an a-hole? Look, you have to remember these three things. James Harden throwing a basketball at a teammate, and, and not only that, but having, you know, the, these confrontations with them, whatever, that's just that's, that's out of character. 
that, that, that is not James Harden. That is not a competitor. That's, that's not something that he normally does. That's first. He's not a fiery guy. Right. That's first. He's not built like that. He's not, he's not Kobe Bryant elbowing Sasha Vujicic or Jordan exactly. punching Steve Kerr. That, he, that's not his personality. This is, this is, it's, it's, it's proportional with his current poutiness. This right. isn't something he's always done. Exactly. Number two, if I'm trying to get out of town, even if I were that guy, if I were the Jordan, you know, or, or whomever, I, that's the last thing I would go out of my way to 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 never ever you know show that kind of stuff in practice if I'm trying to get out of town, right? That that's the second thing, and then the third thing is is the most important, and you just heard the audio when you put together throwing the ball, having confrontations, asking to you know not not even, uh, reportedly it's almost a given right now that he's trying to get out of town. And then you're asked about your comfort level here by Adam Spillane. And he goes, next question. When you put all that together, this is a guy who is just being entitled, just being petulant, and and doing everything he can to get out of just, town. He just looks like a poser. It, it doesn't yeah. look good on him. You know, like no. there's there's some guys that can handle, you know, acting this way and, and going about it. And it just seems to... It, the, the glove seems to fit. He, he just he's coming across as a, a little bit of a poser to exactly. me. I thought there was an it, interesting quote yesterday too by him, and I think this just kind of sums up what James Harden is. Uh, he was asked about his expectations for the season, and he said, "Quote: My expectations never change individually to be the best basketball player in the world, as a team to try to get a top three seed." Okay, like yeah, right. that's <laughs> like. I, 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 maybe I, like, do you not hear that and say, okay, that's the goal? I, I mean, I, I figured when, when it started out, my goals don't change. It would, it would be, you know, to be the best, to make my teammates better, and to win a championship, not to be the best player in the world and get a top three seed. Right. I think that right there, that quote right there just tells you what James Harden is, what a lot of people thought uh, he was for a long time. I think, he's, I think he's proven them right. I think that quote is symbolic of James Harden. Yeah, and uh, for who? Is the follow-up question. I want to be the best player in the world, and I want to be a top three seed. All right, for who? I mean, he didn't say he didn't say for the Rockets at all. Strange guy. <laughs> I'm going to get out of here on this. I'm going to be short on this. I'm not, I'm not going to take too much airtime on it. Let me just say, it is the season of binge watching. I binge watched The Sopranos in about two weeks. Man, screw that last episode. Okay, <laughs> screw that last episode. All right. I watched people get murdered. I watched friends get killed. I watched affairs. I watched drama. Florio. I watched scandal. I watched character development. I watched guys get kicked out. I got watched guys get brought in. I watched every <laughs> ounce of intrigue that I could possibly watch until that season finale, and I have to end my damn binge-watching experience by watching someone try to parallel park for 10 effing minutes as Don't Stop Believing plays for five freaking minutes and people eat onion rings, and then all of a sudden, as a quarter is about to put, put in the jukebox, I get a black screen. Yep. Screw the Sopranos for that ending. Yep. I've I've heard so many things about well you know y'all aren't really understanding the nuance. Uh, no, nah, that's that's the, that's the BS. That's, that's once that's once these directors get to a certain point where they can just do dumb stuff and act like yes. they're smarter than everybody. Yes, exactly. that is all that happens there. You put together probably five, maybe even maybe five and a half seasons of brilliance, and then you just start feeling yourself and you do something stupid because you've earned the right to do I've that. I cannot people, believe the way that I've ended. seen people write entire you know 
5,000 word essays on what it really meant. Dude, it's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I just it meant they ran out of ideas. I, I I feel like, you know, a lot of times I love, you know, me. I mean, I just love the, you know, the really good writing and what are they really trying to say and and how did they get to this ending from where they were earlier? But I'm with you. I, when I saw that Come on. for the first time, I'm like, dude, you, the, all you need to know is there are like nine different explanations to it. Dude. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Good God, man. That was terrible. Landry Locker, John Lopez, Jacob in for Figgy Fig on Sports Radio 610. If the Texans don't hire Jim Caldwell, are there some other names that we should be looking out for that could be surprises? We'll discuss next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.